Well, church, it's so good to be with you here this morning. I'm excited to bring you the Word of God. It's good to be in the house. Amen? Amen. 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 <laughs> we just want to thank the Lord for the privilege to be able to come and, and worship and honor Him corporately together. Before we get started, can you just give our faithful Lord a great shout of praise in this place? He is worthy of all our praise this morning. Church, I'm glad to be with you this morning. And today we are going to start a new sermon series called, If Not Now, When? If Not Now, When? Just to give you some background, this title has been on my mind for a couple of mon uh, months now. I would often wake up in the morning with this title in my mind or in my quiet time, it would be popping into my mind. Even at times when I was dozing off to sleep, I would be reminded of this and then I would send myself an email just to remind myself to, to look at this the next morning, to explore what it means to me and what the Lord was trying to tell me through these four words. And it's taken me a while to break it down and discover what it really means, church. I guess I'm a bit of a slow learner, but, but in a nutshell, and for the purposes of this series, what it really means, these four words, if not now, when, means the desire that you and I have deep down inside of us to bring our lives into the perfect will of God, body, soul, and spirit, and to live out that will. And if we don't start now, when will we do it, right? Hence the title, If Not Now, When? Because church, truthfully, you and I know that there are areas in our lives where we're falling short. We're looking for this, this balance in life. The balance between my relationship with God, my family, my work commitments, my physical life, and then all my dreams and, and all my goals. And if we're honest with ourselves, church, when we look at all these areas of our lives, there are gaps. We don't have balance, right? And you may even be sitting there this morning and wondering, is that even possible? But what I'm trusting is that through this series, the Lord will help us all to have a better perspective to what's really important in life and to bring us all to a place where we, we won't have regrets in life. Because church, if God has placed a desire in your heart, right, and you don't purposefully work towards fulfilling that desire, you're going to have regrets in life, right? If God has given you an instruction and you don't work to fulfilling that instruction, you will have regrets. And not to say that you're going to get it right all the time, but I believe there are little things that we can do now. There are little seeds that we can plant now that will bear eternal fruit so that we don't have regrets. Church, I was reading an article about some of Dr. Billy Graham's last words before he passed away. It was based on an interview he had with someone, and, and someone had written this article. And I must say, it was, was quite touching. And in that article, he spoke about the certain things of his life, how the Lord had blessed him, and how the Lord has, had used him for the sake of the gospel. But he also spoke about some of the regrets he had in life. And Billy Graham said that if he could do it all over again, he would firstly spend more time studying the Word of God. He would spend more time alone with God. He, he felt that he didn't spend enough time just alone in the presence of God. But most of all, he said that he would want to spend more time with his family. He said that he doubted that he used enough discernment on whether or not he should have accepted all of the invitations to speak all over the world because, well, he was hardly ever at home. 
And so he looked back at his life and, and, and he noticed that in his absence, many of his children went through ups and downs in their lives. Three of his children were divorced, then they remarried, and one of them were divorced and remarried three times. One of his sons became a rebel. But by the grace of God, all of his family are, are following the Lord today. All of his children are serving the Lord. And that we know is by the faithfulness of God. However, church, there are certain pains that we don't necessarily have to go through in life. Many times we have unnecessary pain in life simply because we don't follow God's design. And that's really what I want to get into in this series, right? That we would find a balanced life according to, to God's design. Because I don't know about you, church, but I don't want to look back at my life one day and say, you know what, I should have done this, or I wish that I had rather done that when it's too late. I don't want to waste time on things that aren't refining me or, or aren't growing me towards God's purposes for my life. Church, the Christian life is about growth, right? Life is about growth. And Jesus was the perfect example of this. And I want you to have a look at Luke chapter 2, verse 52 with me. Let's have a look at the scripture. It says, Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and favor with man. You notice what it says? Jesus kept increasing. This word increasing has different translations, but in essence it means growing, moving forward, or making progress. But what I like here is the tense. It talks about you keep on growing, you keep on moving forward, you keep on making progress. You keep on increasing in life. Church, let me give you an analogy. Life is like riding a bicycle. Can you remember when you taught your children how to ride a bicycle? What did you tell them? Just keep on pedaling, right? Or you're going to fall. Why? Because when the momentum stops, they, they fall over. And you see, that's what life is like. The day you stop moving forward is the day you're going to start falling. If you stop growing in your knowledge, right? If you're no longer disciplined physically with your body, if you're not increasing in favor with God vertically in your, your spiritual life and horizontally with man in your social life, the day you stop growing in those areas is the day that you begin to fall. Jesus kept increasing. So through this series, we're going to look at how to increase in life and grow in life by living a balanced life. But before we get into the nitty-gritty of this church, we need to ask the question, why would we want to increase in all these areas of our lives? Right? What is the, the purpose of it all? Why is it important? And I want you to have a look at this first statement with me. Why is it important that we live a balanced life? So that we would become all that God wants us to be and do all that He wants us to do. And hearing Him say, well done, good and faithful servant, come and share your master's happiness. Church, that's why. And when that starts to be your goal, you begin to realize that, you know what, you won't have time to do everything in life. However, you will have enough time to do everything that God wants you to do. Let's read that statement again. Why is it important? So that we would become all that God wants us to be and do all that He wants us to do. 
And hearing him say, well done, good and faithful servant, come and share your master's happiness. If you want to know what true success is all about, it's that statement right there. Because you see, church, true success in life doesn't come from how other people perceive you or, or rate you or, or review you, right? Or what you've achieved in life or what you've accumulated in life. True success in life comes when you meet Jesus face to face and He gives you those beautiful words of acceptance. Well done, good and faithful servant. Can someone say amen? amen. That is more important to me than anything else. And then when, when that becomes your perspective, church, your definition of success is going to change. And that's why we want to keep moving forward. That's why we want to keep growing. That's why we want to succeed in balancing our lives. Let's have a look at that verse again, Luke chapter 2. It says, Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Let's just break that down into four parts. Wisdom, stature, favor with God, and favor with men. So let's have a look at wisdom. Church, what is wisdom? Wisdom comes from the Greek word Sophia. And wisdom is not necessarily knowledge per se. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Can I say that again? Wisdom is the application of knowledge. The Tyndale Bible Dictionary says that wisdom is the ability to direct one's mind toward a full understanding of human life and toward its moral fulfillment. Wisdom is thus, thus a special capacity necessary for full human living. It can be acquired through education and the application of the mind. So wisdom is different from knowledge. Wisdom is the application of what you know. Or you could say it like this. Wisdom is the application of knowledge to make the right choices. What does the Bible say about wisdom? What is our starting point? Amen. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says that the beginning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right? And the knowledge of the Holy One is in sight. That's our starting point right there. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Who needs wisdom this morning? Anybody? Who needs wisdom on a daily basis? Come on. What does it say in Scripture? You ask God. If any of you lack Sophia, if any of you lack wisdom, it says let him ask God. And what is the promise? He will give it to you generously without reproach. And what is the, the condition? Let him ask God. You ask him. What I want you to see at church is the context. Verses 2 to 4 are the context to why you should be asking of wisdom. Have a look at verses 2 to 4 with me. And if you're going through various trials and tribulations right now, I want you to take this, this verse personally this morning. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. 
Church, there has to be a steadfastness that is developed within us so that it will take its full effect and we will be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The context here has to do with pain and suffering. And if you don't know what to do when it comes to trials and tribulations, it says in Scripture you have to ask God for wisdom. Because the truth is some of you are suffering right now. Some of you are hurting right now and you don't know why. And yet the Bible tells you to consider it all joy. But you're having a problem finding joy in the midst of it all, right? And don't get me wrong, church. You know, all of us go through trials in life and we, at times we don't understand why God is allowing these things to happen. The Bible says, ask God for wisdom so that you know how to respond properly. In other words, troubles are going to come, yes, but ask the Lord for wisdom to help you navigate your way out of the valley experience. The Bible also tells us in Ephesians chapter 5 from verses 15 to 16, it says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Church, verse 16 right there is probably one of the, the key verses we're going to be using for this series. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. To be wise, you must know the will of God. Come on. Church, the Bible says don't be foolish. Life is short. Know what the will of God is. Now, church, let me ask you a question. How do you know the will of God? How do you know the will of God? I'm going to give you a hint here. I'm giving you a hint. You read the word of God. How are, you not, how are you going to know the will of God if you do not read the will of God, right? I think we often make it way too complicated. Everything that we need for life is right here. Amen? Look at what Psalm chapter 1 verse 1 to 2 says. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Let me just explain this verse to you. The word blessed comes from the word happy or happiness. So in other words, in context of that verse, it says, How happy is the man who does not listen to the advice of the ungodly. How happy is the man who does not listen to the opinions of those who do not know the Lord. Because you see, the truth is, church, if you're listening to the wrong voices... If you're listening to the wrong people or even voices coming from different forms of media, you may very well not be a happy person. You may even feel depressed. The Bible says, happy is the man who does not listen to the counsel of the ungodly. It says, his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates on it day and night. His focus is on the word of God. And because his focus is on the word of God, God gives him a promise. It says in verse 3, He's like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. So you're not necessarily going to bear fruit right now, but you will bear fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Church, 
Did you know that no one else but God can guarantee your success in life? Did you know that? And this is something that we need to teach our children from a very young age. This is something that we have to model from a very young age. Because if they are meditating on God's Word, they are going to make the right choices and they will prosper in life. Why am I saying that? Because good choices equals happiness, right? If they are meditating on God's principles when deciding on what friends to choose or what partners to choose when they get married one day, they will be blessed, they, they will be happy. If they make choices with your approval because they want to honor you as their parents, they will be happy in life. The Bible even says that they will live a long life. You know, church, I've always told my daughters that they must choose godly men for their husbands that love and respect them as much as I do. And I'm setting the bar very high here. There's a whole list of provisors that I have that how this man should treat them and, and how he should behave, how he should respect us as the girl's parents. I even go so far as to say that he must have at least played one contact sport, preferably rugby, <laughs> and he must be a line supporter, right? It's not asking too much, right? I can even add to that, Miguel, uh, Liverpool, by the way. The girls know that I'm joking about some of the provisors, but church, they know that as parents, we won't compromise on giving them the guidance that will help them make choices that will lead to a blessed life. To have wisdom is to know how to make the right choices. And look, we all have hundreds of choices to make every day. So make the right choices. Make choices that lead to happiness. Today, whether you're a teenager that, that's deciding which friends to keep, whether you're going to go with the rebellious crowd or you're going to go with a crowd that will actually lead you along a better pathway, you have a choice to make. If you're a young adult that needs to make a decision or a choice on which, which husband or, or wife to choose, and your parents are saying, listen, this person is not right for you, but you're thinking maybe I need to elope and just do my own thing, you need to make the right choices. Even if you're a mother or a father that has to decide to re remain pure because there has some temptation that has come into your life, make the right choices now. Because the choices that you make now set the foundation for you in the future. And you will be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And your leaf will not wither. In all that you do, you will prosper. So please be wise. Church, do you know how many times the word wisdom is used in the Bible? Any guesses? Thousands. Maybe not as much as that. We, in the King James Version, it's used 234 times. Don't you think God is trying to tell us something? And you know, church, I got to this point in my message this week in preparation for this word, and I wanted to go on to the next point, which is going to be stature. And it was like the Lord said to me, just hang on. He said, don't move any further than this. I want to do something here. And as much as I tried to say to the Lord, Lord, I think I've said what I need to say about wisdom. I felt the Lord say, I want my church to know how important it is for them to use wisdom in the days ahead. Because there are times coming where godly wisdom will be the only safeguard where lies and evil abound. 
And as much as I was trying to argue with the Lord, the Lord said, reminded me of my own title, if not now, when? And so I said to the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to me, just read my word and lives will change. Just read my word and hearts will change. Hearts will be convicted. Read my word and lives will change. You don't always have to explain my word. My word is enough. And who am I to say no to what the Lord wants? And so, church, we're going to end with something different today. I've recorded a video with some background images and music with a voiceover of scriptures relating specifically to wisdom. And I don't know who this is for today, but it's for somebody. I don't know who needs to make a decision today that requires wisdom. I don't know who is at a crossroads in their life where the decision that you will make today or tomorrow or in the, this next week will impact the rest of your life. But God wants to speak to you today. And whether that's for a few people or for many of you this morning, I want you to listen intently to God's Word and allow it to change the very core of who you are and the choices you make. I'm going to be obedient to the Lord this morning. Let's, let's play that video. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom, and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and a profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. 
For by wise guidance you can wage a war, and in abundance of counsellors there is victory. One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. Wisdom rests in the heart of a man of understanding, but it makes itself known even in the midst of fools. A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money, and the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. How much better to get wisdom than gold? To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Who is like the wise? And who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine and the hardness of his face is changed. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom, and the one who gets understanding. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might.